You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and on tonight's episode, John Legend is here to talk about his new album. We're also gonna be joined by Bubba Wallace to talk about NASCAR, the Confederate flag, and the noose, the infamous noose that was found in his garage. So let's do this thing. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. The big story that's had everybody talking from social media to the morning news has been Bubba Wallace, NASCAR, and the noose. Now, if you missed the story, here's how it all went down. Bubba Wallace, the only black NASCAR driver, has been promoting the Black Lives Matter movement and pushing NASCAR to ban the Confederate flag from its races. NASCAR agreed. And Bubba Wallace immediately faced a huge firestorm from people who felt like he was blocking their Southern heritage and racism. Then, a week after the flag was banned from the races, one of Wallace's crew members found a noose hanging in the garage where Wallace's car was parked. And so immediately, everybody was on edge, especially black people. I mean, it's a noose. A noose is is like the N-word of ropes. In fact, I don't even like saying the word moose because it's too close to noose. I just call it a Canadian cow. So anyway, after the noose was found, NASCAR called in the FBI to investigate if this was indeed a hate crime. And last night, the FBI announced their findings. The FBI has determined that NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace was not the target of a hate crime. Investigators say the noose found in his garage had been there since last October, months before Wallace was assigned that stall. According to NASCAR, the rope was used to pull the garage door closed. Wallace, the sport's only black top circuit driver, says he doesn't care how long it's been there. It's still a noose. What an emotional roller coaster. It turns out there was a noose in the garage, but it wasn't left there as a message to Baba Wallace. It was used to close a garage door. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm just relieved. I'm relieved. Because for a story involving a noose, this is the best possible outcome. It wasn't a hate crime against Baba Wallace, and it wasn't a hoax like Jussie Smollett. Because the country didn't need any of that right now, right? I mean, we've already got police brutality videos going viral every day, protests in the streets, and on top of all of that, there's a pandemic that you think has gone away, and then it comes back with a vengeance like a virus John Wick. Now, I know there's someone out there who's probably just as relieved as I am, and that's my good friend, Roy Wood Jr. What up, Roy? Yeah, what's up, man? What's going on? For once, the FBI delivered some good news. Good news? You must have lost your goddamn mind. Ain't no good news involving a noose. No, but come on. I, I don't mean like good, like Santa Claus is in town. I mean like relatively good news. You know, like from where the story started, this ending is good news. Nah, man. A noose is never good news. That's like finding a turd in your kitchen. Like you see a turd in the kitchen. You don't care why it's there, how long the turd, who put the turd here? No, it's a turd in your kitchen and you ain't happy about it and you want that shit gone. Yeah, but, okay, but Roy, Apparently there's an innocent explanation for this, right? They say that the rope was just used to close the garage door. Like they tied the end of it like a noose. And that don't freak you out? First off, who's using a noose to close a garage door? 
That's like building a campfire, but you shape your campfire in the form of a cross. You can't think of a less racist way to roast marshmallows? And, and, and why that not? Why, why a noose knot? Of all the knots that we got, we got, you got, you got, you got, a, you got a slip knot, you got a clove hitch, you got a talk line hitch, you got an alpine butterfly, but they chose a noose. A noose, Wait. bruh. Wow, Roy, you, you know a lot about knots. I was in the Boy Scouts, bruh. Birmingham, Alabama, Troop 415, 6th Avenue Baptist Church, dishonorably discharged for eating all the fundraiser popcorn, but that's another story. Okay, look, I, like, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Like, it's pretty messed up to use a noose as the pull for your garage. And, 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 it's backwards as hell. You telling me they still closing garages by hand? NASCAR makes billions of dollars. You telling me they can't afford no damn clicker? Bruh, you can purchase and install a garage door opener for $300. Hell, my Uncle Derek could knock it out for $150. He over in Memphis just hit him up. And then on top of that, that's, that's, how, you know, that's how you know, Trevor, that NASCAR doesn't have enough black people in their sport. You just got a noose just, just dangling and nobody, nobody saw it. Nobody, hey, man, grab the murder rope and shut this garage real quick. Nobody? Nobody seen nothing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie, Roy. You make some really good points. So, okay, th- so then how do, you, how do you respond to people who are saying that black people are just being too sensitive? Yeah, you kind of need to be sensitive when you've had a target on your back for the last 400 years. That's why I, my head on the swivel at all times, man. I can't afford to let my guard down. Little kids come up on my porch for Halloween. Yeah, they might be kids dressed as ghosts or they could be really short members of the KKK. I ain't giving no Snickers bar to the Klan. Get your ass off my porch. All right, Roy, so then, like, what do you say? Where do we go from here? Well, first off, Trevor, everybody needs to learn how to tie a different knot. Google that shit. Go figure that out. Secondly, NASCAR needs to give all their garages the old noose check once over before every race. We wouldn't want any more misunderstandings. Hey, man. Speaking some truth there, Roy Wood Jr. Thank you so much for checking in, my dude. I hope you don't find any turds in your kitchen. I don't even know what that meant. You ain't never found a turd in your... Whatever, man. All right, we're going to take a short break. But after the break, we're speaking to Bubba Wallace himself to find out what he thinks about the story. So don't go away. You relieved when the FBI came out with their report because this happened to Bubba Wallace. I mean, you were the story. How did you feel about this? Like, were you relieved? What was your emotion? When I had first heard about it, Trevor, I wanted to make sure that this wasn't going to be the case because I knew the backlash that would come with it. Mm-hmm. And I had questioned my crew chief. I had questioned my crew member who was African-American who had found it and who was outraged by it. He did. I, I talked to him multiple times. He had checked throughout the garages that were around us and nobody had a knot like we had on our garage pool in the shape of a noose, a full blatant noose. So this is not like a regular, this is not like a, like a NASCAR style of tying a knot. It's not like it was on all the other garages. No, this was, this was there and it could have been there in, in 2019, which is, that's, that's great. It wasn't directed towards me. So to answer your question, I was relieved, but I knew that this was gonna flip to the negative side and, right. and all of that side of everything was just gonna come flowing out because people say it's a hoax. Compare me yeah. to Jeffrey, you know, Smollier. Like, I mean, just outrageous stuff. But we checked, my, my, my crew member, David Crops, checked each and every garage around us. Not one of them had anything close to resemble what we had. So it was there, um, but it had been there. So when they found that evidence, that was good. It was like, okay, my family wasn't targeted. I wasn't targeted. Okay, 
But now there's a whole new realm that we have to deal with. I know there are a lot of fans, you know, I try and read what people are saying and just try and get a sentiment. And I, I know there are some people, a lot of people support you, I'd say even most, but there are some fans who'd be like, Baba, I supported you and I, I never made it a black or white thing. Why did you have to bring any of these politics into NASCAR? What would you say to them? I am not a political person at all. I, I try to avoid that at all costs. I, I walk straight and narrow down the path that I want to walk on. And, you know, it's, it's crazy when everybody is all supportive when the president is at the Daytona 500 and, and it's all fine. That's all political to me, you know? But when I bring in banning the Confederate flag and standing up for my African-American side of my family, who a lot feel like they don't have a voice and I'm carrying that, that weight, I'm carrying that flag for them. And so, um, you know, my, my pen tweet is not something I am saying. I am going around saying I'm the, I'm the African-American driver. Yep, I'm, I'm the African-American. I'm the black guy. It's simply saying you're going to hear about that from media, from other fans. You just That's, that's how I'm going to be labeled. I've accepted it. You accept it. You embrace it and enjoy the journey. That's as simple as that. I've never once pulled the race card. As many people have accused me of pulling a race card, I... I am looked at as an African-American guy because I, the color of my skin, I am darker. I am not white. I am not black. I am mixed. And, and it's, it's something that I've never once tried to bring in. I've, I've always tried to bring in the competitive nature. Don't mess with me. I won't mess with you. Let's race our hearts out. And that's it. And, and now having a voice, having a platform, being vocal, standing up for what I believe is right, standing up for a race that feels defeated that is is afraid to speak out because they don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm I'm not. I don't want to see my people go down like that. I want to stand up for them. I want to stand up with them, arm in arm, hand in hand, to show that hey, I have a voice and I'm going to create change in my sport and my community, and I want you guys to be a part of it. And so there's a whole balancing act of of, of emotions. You, you go through that side on on Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. And then, or Monday through Saturday, really. And then you climb in the car to go race. There's a light switch. If you've seen Richard Petty and us uh, and myself right there before climbing in, he was touching the back of my head. He had said, this is where you get to turn off that switch and get to go have right. fun and get away from all the madness. So that's, that's what it is. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Every day, we are still seeing changes in response to the Black Lives Matter protests that exploded all over the U.S. a month ago. Police departments are being scrutinized and even changed. Companies are looking at their lack of diversity and racist statues are falling harder than Mike Pence boarding a plane. And in Rhode Island, they're taking steps to make their official state name a lot less problematic. Rhode Island's official name could soon exclude a portion with ties to slavery. The official name of Rhode Island is Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. The state's governor signed an executive order to remove Providence Plantations from citations, state websites, and state employee pay stubs. We can't ignore the image conjured by the word plantations. We can't ignore how painful that is for black Rhode Islanders to see that and have to see that as part of their state's name. All right, America's just weird because I didn't even know that Rhode Island's official full name was Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. 
Do all the states have problematic full names that we've just never heard about? Like, is it actually the Republic of California and Japanese internment camps? Or Alaska, too new for slavery, but kind of wish we had a shot at it. Is Maine's full name Gucci Maine? So clearly there's a lot of progress still to be made. And one of the encouraging things we've seen is how many white people are now asking the question, what change can I make in myself to move things forward? You know, white people are asking what books to read, what films to watch, how to be a better ally. And all of this is great, but unfortunately, the person that most white people are asking is usually their one black friend, which is exhausting. Because remember, if you're a white person with one black friend, they're also the one black friend of 10 other white people. It's a lot of stress to put on them. And black people who are in this position, I know how it feels. And I think we found the solution for you. Are you tired of your white friends interrupting your busy day with questions about race relations? Well, now there's an easier way to help educate them by giving them the gift of Black Lexa from Amazon. Black Lexa, I'm confused. What's wrong with saying all lives matter? Saying this erases the history of black oppression in this country and sets back the goal of equality. Oh, that makes sense. Black Lexa is programmed to absorb all the emotional labor of helping your well-meaning but painfully white pals. Hey, Black Lexa. I want to go to a protest, but I don't know how to chant. No problem. Let's practice. After I say no justice, you say no peace. No justice. No bees. I'm sorry. Is it? What is it? I'm sorry. Uh... Black Lexa can even recommend good books and movies for your friends and keep them from watching bad ones. Hey, Black Lexa, put on Green Book. Why does that always happen? Best of all, your white friends will actually learn something. Hey, Black Lexa, isn't it problematic that you work for free given the history of slavery in America and the continued systemic racism that has left the black community at a disadvantage for generations? Oh, look at you. You're finally getting it. Thanks, my homegirl. Don't, don't do that. I'm sorry. Black Lexa from Amazon, helping your white friends so you don't have to. Stop that, what is wrong with you? I need a new job. Man, now I know what I'm getting all my white friends for Christmas. All right, don't go away, because after the break, John Legend is on the show, and he's performing a song from his brand new album. We'll be right back. We've tested now 25 million people. When you do testing to that extent, you're gonna find more people, you're gonna find more cases. So I said to my people, slow the testing down, please. It was a comment that he made in jest. Come on now, that was tongue in cheek. <laughs> When you see these thugs being thrown into the back of a paddy wagon, I said, please don't be too nice. I believe he was making a joke at the time. <laughs> President Obama, he is the founder of ISIS. He's the founder of ISIS. Trump insisted that he was being sarcastic. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. Sean Spicer said the president was clearly joking. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that by injection inside or... The president now says he was being sarcastic. Were you just kidding or do you have a plan to slow down testing? I don't kid. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. 
Earlier today, I spoke with EGOT winner and multi-platinum artist John Legend about the Black Lives Matter movement and how it affected his new album, Bigger Love. John Legend, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. It's my pleasure. Good to see you again. This is our first time during the social distancing era. This is our first time. Hopefully, it'll be our last time. I don't, I don't like this. I like hearing your silky voice in person. I feel like there are a few parts of the frequencies that are lost over the camera. I don't like it. And I'm sure you miss your audience too. Uh, I think all of us as performers miss our audiences. And there's something about, particularly with comedy, uh, it's nice to hear the laughs in, in person as you uh, deliver the jokes. And uh, I think for artists, it's the same. We want to hear the crowd. We want right. to feel the response that they give us right away. So I think we all miss that and look forward to the day when that's safe again. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, I think it goes both ways because I, I've, I've talked to some of my fans where they go, I miss, I miss the feeling of other human beings experiencing something around me, you know, like a yeah. collective joy, yeah. a collect like I've been to concerts where half of the concert is just enjoying other human beings having a great time around me. Exactly. And as much as we are doing these, you know, Instagram live uh, concerts from home and, uh, you know, Alicia and I did the versus thing. It's very different to feel the crowd, and uh, there's there's no experience that will duplicate that. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that that um, you know that place in the world being not just an artist but being a black artist, being a black artist who is also conscious. You know, before these protests began, John Legend had been on the ground. You've been fighting for 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 changes in mass incarcer incarceration. You've been fighting to change how America treats black people. You've been fighting for equality and justice for a long time. Is this part of the movement you've been hoping to see for so long? Well, seeing the folks in the streets, seeing this multiracial, multi-generational, huge movement of people in the streets has been very uh, inspiring for me. It does make me hopeful about the future, but I also know that there's a lot of work that goes into actually making the change that we're speaking out for. And so, um, all of the times in between these big protests are when a lot of that work has to get done. Right. And so, um, and so um, activists, organizers, they're uh, seizing this momentum and saying, let's get in these city council meetings. Let's talk to our uh, Congress people. Let's organize, let's mobilize people to get out to vote for particular district attorney candidates or particular county sheriff candidates. And so, that is kind of the everyday grinding work of a democracy that need to be done for us to see the kinds of changes we want to see. It happens when you're uh, dealing with uh, school boards and zoning, you know, so many of the things that uh, affect the daily lives of so many people and that have affected uh, black and brown lives so negatively over the years have been these local decisions like housing segregation and and uh, zoning and school segregation and mm. and who gets uh, chosen to be the police chief and mm -hmm. how much budget goes to policing, how much budget goes to uh, the county jail or to the state prisons. So all of these decisions, they don't get a lot of headlines a lot of times. And we don't think about them when we think about our elections most of the time. But this is where the decisions are being made. And if we're not engaged in democracy, uh, in that way, then sometimes we miss out on being in the room to make those decisions and having our voices heard when those decisions are made. What, what I found particularly interesting, especially in your case, is that I've seen a lot of the work that you've been doing, you know, in the space of social justice, 
what I was surprised by is you announcing a new album. You know, I was like, wait, when when was John Legend recording an album? When 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 was he making music? How was he making music? Uh, one thing that that I I'm always intrigued by is the ability of an artist to to exist in multiple spaces at the same time. Because I thought this album was just going to be about what's happening. I thought it was going to be like a coronavirus uh-huh. album, but it, it seems like you've chosen to go back to classic John Legend and almost give us an escape from everything that's going wrong in the world. Well, the the, the timing has been so interesting because I, I was writing this album in 2019, all, all through the year. Uh, I was writing it early this year, 2020, and I was done writing the album by the time we all went to lockdown. And so um, this album is a reflection of where I was when I was writing it in all of 2019 and early 2020. Um, it's an expression of joy, of love, of human connection, uh, of nostalgia, of my love for black music and all the music that's really made me the artist that I am. Um, that's really what this album is inspired by. And of course, it's coming at an odd time. You know, it's coming at a time when everyone's been on lockdown for several months. Uh, when uh, for the last few weeks, we've seen people protesting in the streets mm-hmm. about the killing of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and others. And so it does feel a little odd putting music out in this moment that isn't directly responding to what was happening in this moment. But that's kind of the nature of making an album. It's a long process. And um, I will be writing more music and, and some of that will be responsive to what's happening right this moment. But it'll take a while for even that to be done and ready to be put out again. And um, what I do think is music has the power to lift people up, to give them hope to make them feel that connection, feel that love. And I feel like people could use some more of that right now. And I think this album has that kind of feeling to it. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Um, it's a smooth album, you know, like it's, it's, it's smooth. It's, it's really, I'm, I'm serious. It's like, it's comforting. It's beautiful. It's like, it's, it's classic John Legend in the way that we know and love you. And you've got some, yeah. you've got some wonderful cameos that come on and join. You've got some artists who feature on the album, everybody from Gary Clark Jr. to Gene Aiko. And it's, it's beautiful to hear these different sounds and melodies coming together. Um, why the title Bigger Love? You know, it feels like that's been a theme I've heard from you recently. You know, I, I heard it in the verses with you and Alicia. It felt like it was like a battle yeah. of love, which I've never encountered, <laughs> I've never experienced in life. Yeah, yeah. But it feels like that's something that you've really been pushing. You know, uh, when I was writing these songs, that was what was in my head. I, I wrote the title track, Bigger Love, back in the fall of last year with Ryan Tedder and Cautious Clay. And we were in the studio just, you know, trying to write a beautiful song that felt like it connected, it felt honest and and um, felt powerful and, and necessary in that moment. We didn't know how necessary it would be, you know, a few months later um, and how much connection people would be craving at this moment. Um, but it felt right at the time and it feels even more relevant now. And um, I think the idea behind the title is that um, this album is colorful, it's full of love, full of hope and optimism. And that title felt like it captured that, that sentiment for me. All right, well, John Legend, thank you so much for the music. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for that, John. As you may know, June is Pride Month. And right now, we want to highlight charities that are making a difference for LGBTQ people of color, like the National Black Justice Coalition, which advocates for federal policies that fights against racism and homophobia. Now, if you want to help them, and you can, then please donate whatever you can. 
And if you'd like to support specifically here in New York and you want to support the LGBTQ community, then what you can do is donate to the Audrey Lord Project. They help communities of color fight for their rights and organize for change. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.